Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You're locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to Duke Loves Wrestling, the show about pro wrestling and everything else. I am the man of the hour, the man with the power too sweet to be sour. That's right, Jack, the Duke. Listen, I got an action-packed show. This is the episode 155. You know what that means? That means next week's episode is the three-year anniversary of I know the Boston bad boy, he's out there getting things lined up for our special three-year anniversary edition of the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, which is going to be next week. So you definitely got to tune in next Thursday for that. But this week, boy, do I have some special surprises for you. In fact, I'm not even going to wait. I have somebody, a world champion, a man who's been kicking butt, taking names, and he just won a championship in Ring of Honor. Hold on one second. I couldn't think of a better way to end our last episode of our second year before we celebrate our three-year anniversary than to have the newly crowned television champion of Ring of Honor Wrestling. I'm talking about the man, Shane Taylor. How are you, Shane? I'm good, I'm good. That's right, baby. Shane T, boy, the baddest champion you've ever seen, boy. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Hey, no problem, man. I, I had to have the champ on, especially the TV That's champ. Right. That's it, right. Tell us, man. Tell us about the emotions uh, going through your body here as, as you sit here being legitimately one of the top champions in the world now that you're the Ring of Honor TV champ. I mean, it's it's I'd I'd be lying if you know I I I said a flood of emotion uh, didn't happen at that moment. You know, you have uh, frustration from feeling like you know you're not getting the um, the opportunities that you want or that you believe that you're ready for. You have to have patience. You have to have um, just a million things going through your head. But finally, when uh, it all pays off and a plan comes together like it did in Toronto. Um, there's so much satisfaction that you're overjoyed, you're you're excited, you are relieved that it finally happened. You know, all the pressure's not off because being champion is harder than chasing the championship. But there is that sense of finally, like, okay, you know, all the hard work was for something. You know, my name will go down in the history books. Um, now it's just up to me uh, how how high the rank is. Absolutely, absolutely. Tell us about the match, man, because I, I know that you had to beat more than one person for this match. Tell us about how, how you gained the ROH uh, Television Championship. Well, uh, the four-way was set already. Uh, the former champion, and I love saying that, Jeff Cobb, um, Hiroki Goto, a legend in New Japan Pro Wrestling, Brody King, who's been winning championships all over the world, and myself. Originally, it was non-title. 
uh, me just coming off of the TV title match with Jeff Cobb at the 17th anniversary, I knew that they'd be hard-pressed to give me another championship shot. So what I did was I did what I do best. I talk a lot of trash uh, and finally convinced Ring of Honor officials to make it a match for the television championship. I guess to shut me up, you know. Um, and then going through the match, I just bided my time, picked my spot, waited until Jeff thought he won it, and took it out from under him. And, and you sure did, man. I mean, you won that fair and square, and, and, and you've been grinding for a long time, climbing the ladder to make it to this point. How many years have you, have you been wrestling in general? How many years have you been in ROH? I've been wrestling for 11 years, uh, going on 12 this August, uh, and this is my third year with Ring of Honor. Uh, and a lot of people forget for my first two years in ROH, uh, there wasn't a lot of singles match. There wasn't a lot of singles matches. It, it was six mans, eight mans. I was always doing group stuff. Um, so for people that are like, well, where did he come from? Or what? I've been here. I've been doing this. All I needed was the platform to be able to showcase my talent, showcase my ability. And now that I'm doing singles matches, that's what you are hearing now is people going, oh man, another great match from Shane. Oh man, the top ten match from Shane. Oh man, match of the year by Shane. This is not new. And if you've been following my my career everywhere I've gone, people will tell you the same thing. When you get Shane Taylor in that ring against the best competition in the world, I produce. You know, when you need a home run hitter, I produce. Uh, so that's where a lot of the frustration comes in of knowing that you can do these things and knowing that all you need is to be able to uh, allow them for you to swing, basically. And, and not only did you swing, I mean, you knocked it right out of the park. It's, out the ballpark, then. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. And it's funny, Shane. Let, let me tell you. Mm. I am one of the original Ring of Honor fans. And, and right. <clears throat> when I say that, going all the way back when RF Video was putting out mm. you know, their newsletter, this was yeah. legitimately the only company that you could get tapes and, and eventually DVDs of the top pro wrestlers all over the world. Um, mm -hmm. You know, our video was it. And when they decided to make an indie dream card where they legitimately took all the best indie talent out there, and also, you know, they, they got super crazy and Eddie Guerrero, they put on mm -hmm. their first show in Philly. I, I traveled from Boston with a group of people who I didn't even know, but we were all part mm -hmm. of the newsletter and we were able to interact with each other. We all went to that first show. So from that one card, they created the Ring of Honor brand and, and, and promotion. So there's a lot of ownership. There's a lot of pride when I see that the company still exists and it's thriving. Legitimately, oh, yeah. it is the number, it is the second most watched program uh, wrestling company in America because it's on Sinclair Broadcasting, which their footprint is so large in the country. Absolutely. Legitimately, there's no other promotion other than WWE that's seen more than Ring of Honor. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is historically, Ring of Honor has been a very diverse company. Mm. People from different racial and ethnic backgrounds have gotten opportunities in Ring of Honor to show what they can do and mm -hmm. have thrived and have you know really made a name for themselves in this business. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about the significance as as a, as a black man 
mm-hmm. to be put in a position where you could actually win a championship for such a prestigious and well-honored promotion, and mm-hmm. now you're one of the main people. I mean, the television champion, you're, mm-hmm. you're legitimately one of the main people who represents the company now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that that's always been such a huge part of who I am and what I wanted to be uh, because historically when you get a lot of black male wrestlers and, and black wrestlers in general, you know, there's a lot of people that fall into stereotype characters. And um, a, a lot of people are trained in society to think that's all that we can do. You know, that's all that we can be. Um and Ring of Honor has done a great job of finding talent that breaks a lot of those stereotypes. And they represent themselves in a way uh, that other people can be proud of. You know, people from all all backgrounds, but especially black people, uh, they don't have to watch Ring of Honor and see the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. You know, so when you have people like uh, with the technical prowess of a Jonathan Gresham or the entertainment and exciting ability of Kenny King, or the dominance of a Jay Lethal, um, or the sheer brutality of somebody like myself that we bring to the ring. You get to see different aspects and see depth of character and things of that sort. So, um, And while a lot of people have been able to use that platform, there's still been um, only a, ha- a handful of champions and let alone singles champions. I believe uh, to with my win now, that makes me the third African-American performer to win the Ring of Honor World Television Championship, the other two being Kenny King and, of course, uh, the man with the most dominant run uh, with the television championship, Jay Lethal. Uh, although uh, that's going to be some records that I'm going to try to break here. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and Shane, tell us, what is this, mean for your family? I mean, now that you are the television champion, Ring of Honor, how does that affect? I know I hear the little one in the background there. Oh, yeah. It sounds like they, they want to be part of the interview as well, which is awesome. Oh, she does. She she looked like she was going to sleep, but not today. She's just looking up and smiling at me, so. Oh, she's, yeah, she's excited about Dad <laughs> being the man. So tell us how mm-hmm. this affects your family. I mean, it's incredible for me. You know, I get to... Uh, hang this championship and place it on my mantle as a daily re- reminder to myself, my wife, and my daughters that, you know, the reason that I'm gone so much and 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 as hard as I push myself and um, for for as big as I as I dream, all of that is for a reason. All that is to reach a goal, and now that goal is now sitting on my mantle. So um, it's it's it, 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 it's proof positive that you know hard work dedication, loyalty, things like that still mean something in professional wrestling and still mean something to me, uh, which are things that I'm going to instill in them. Wow. Wow. Very well said. Listen, Shane, if if, if fans want to get in touch with you, if they want to follow your journey, what's the mm-hmm. best way that they can reach you? best way that they can reach me, fans, and haters alike uh, is on tw- Twitter and Instagram at Shane216Taylor. Um, you'll, you'll be able to not only see everything that I'm doing, every, everywhere that I'm going, uh, you, but you will also see the beginning uh, and then the duration of what's coming and what will be, which is the most dominant television championship run in the history of Ring of Honor. 
And do you have any any uh, title defenses coming up anytime soon, or we have to stay tuned for that? You're, you're going to have to stay tuned and uh, watch Ring of Honor, of course. But I plan on bringing the world status back to the Ring of Honor Television Championship. You know, a lot of people have just been defending it in Ring, in Ring of Honor, but they call it a world championship for a reason. So uh, for me, um, I want to prove that I am the very best in the world, uh, one of the very best in the world. Uh, so anybody from any country, Canada, Mexico, any, anybody in the U.K., Australia, wherever I've got to go, if you've got somebody in your company that you think can go toe-to-toe with a man, tell them to step up, and I'll be over there. His name is Shane Taylor. He is here to prove that the Ring of Honor Television Championship is a world championship, and he'll defend it against anybody to prove that. Listen, man, thank you so much for joining us on the Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast, and we'll be following your career and checking in with you sometime soon. Thank you very much for having me. How about that, huh? We're talking about the World Television Champion Shane Taylor, really tearing it up in Ring of Honor Wrestling, doing some great things. He's worked hard for over 11 years now in the business. Very proud of that, dude. So, listen, let me go over a couple of top stories here because I have another special interview on the horizon. But before we get to any of that, first and foremost, I got to give a shout out to the nature boy, Ric Flair. Just heard that he had another uh, procedure, another hospital procedure, something to do with his heart. There were original reporting, original reports stating that uh, this was some kind of emergency and it was out of the blue, you know, alluding to that sort of nonsense. But my man, the Alabama dream, Conrad Thompson, he's confirmed that this isn't anything new. This was expected. Don't worry. The Nature Boy is still going to be at StarCast 2 next week for his uh, special roast. If you don't have tickets to StarCast, you know, you can head over to the Fight TV app and you can actually order it. I believe it's $59.99. So shout out to Ric Flair, though. You know, listen, whatever you got to do to keep the ball rolling, brother, keep it going. I appreciate you. You're one of my heroes in life. You're the man. And I can't wait to see the roast. Want to give a birthday shout out to the one, the only Riley Shepard. You know, she's one of the top uh, indie performers on the wrestling scene. And right now she's nursing a, 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 I believe it's a knee injury. She's fantastic though, man. I mean, just really a hardworking, tough individual who I know I I can't wait to see when she makes it back in the ring. There's going to be a lot of broken faces when that happens. So happy birthday, Riley Shepard. You're awesome. It is official, and I know we've been talking about this, but TNT actually put out a press release. All Elite Wrestling will be airing on TNT. It's part of their major push for the fall season coming up, so that's going to be interesting. The Monday Night Wars, well, it's not really Monday Night Wars because I don't believe that their program is going to air on Mondays, but the war is on. WWE finally has a company that is going to at least try to position itself as competition. I don't think it's going to be competition anytime soon, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. Nonetheless, congratulations to All Elite Wrestling, the Khan family, Cody Rose, the Bucks, Kenny Omega, everybody who works in them, Brandy, who is just unbelievable. She is unbelievable. The, the the sort of things that she's doing behind the scenes with public relations and what have you, she's awesome. 
uh, this is great for the, the wrestling business in general. So for all you punks out there who are being a little too negative, it's okay. Competition is okay. We want to see that. We want the wrestlers to have more places to work like Ring of Honor, like All Elite Wrestling, like Impact Wrestling, like uh, New Japan, <clears throat> everything. Not just WWE, but we want a mixed bag. bag. Stardom, you know, all these different promotions. So, again, shout out to All Elite Wrestling. Good luck to you. You're going to need it. New name for the tag team of Asuka and Kairi Sane. They're going to be known as the Kabuki Warriors. Yuck. Now, listen, there's been speculation that this is a little racially insensitive and, and myself included, I, I was not too happy when I first heard about this name. But Paige, who is their manager, and Asuka have gone on record saying that it was actually the ladies who came up with this name. This is, I believe there was a video game that was named Kabuki Warriors and, you know, they don't have a problem with it. Nonetheless, it's okay to be a little skeptical because, you know, WWE doesn't have a good track record when it comes to some of this racial stuff. So, Trust but verify and keep your eye on folks because, you know, we, we just we're not going to tolerate it. We're not going to tolerate it. We're not going to go backwards in 2019. So whatever pressure we can apply to let them know. We're not putting up with racial garbage that should continue to happen. But if Oscar's with it, if Kaidi is with it. I'll have to accept that. I don't have to like it, but I have to accept it. Nonetheless, the very talented hardworking, some of the best workers around. So I look forward to them making a, a significant splash in the WWE. It's like a reset for the both of them. Hopefully this will materialize into a fruitful and strong tag team division, especially for the women, because as we know, WWE hasn't really been that dedicated to the tag team division, especially the women. I mean, where are the iconics right now? Where are they? Where, where, where? It's like, where's Waldo? They're not being utilized properly. So hopefully this will materialize into something that makes sense. But stay tuned. Alexa Bliss out at Money in the Bank. Yeah, this was strange. Uh, Nikki Cross is going to replace Alexa Bliss in the Money in the Bank women's match because allegedly Alexa Bliss is not cleared to wrestle. Okay. I don't know what's going on. She has a little talk show and, you know, she's doing a lot more speaking roles and a lot less wrestling over the past year. She's got to be injured or she's filming a movie or it's a combination of both. But what's clear, something is not right. I love Alexa Bliss. You know, she's been my MVP. I've been completely right about how successful she was going to be on the main roster. She has not let me down, not even once. So having her wrestle is still the best thing for business. Nonetheless, if she's injured, she needs her time to heal. I'm okay with that. A healthy Alexa Bliss is better than no Alexa Bliss. And I commend the company, if she is injured, that they're still finding ways to utilize her on the different programming because she is fantastic. Alexa Bliss is awesome. And anybody who disagrees with me, you're wrong. I'm right. That's the end of it. Vince McMahon still making money. That's right. I know, you know, I, I've been talking about this for weeks, folks. My man, Vince McMahon, is still making money. 
He's on the cover of magazines, on the cover of newspapers. WWE was at the upfronts there for Fox, and they have reiterated their dedication to WWE SmackDown and WWE wrestlers being cross-promoted on their whole lineup on Fox. I'm telling you right now, man, all you naysayers, you watch yourself, okay? WWE's in great shape. They're going to be fine. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you wish. You're not going to take away their shine. In fact, I'm going to cut this short because I got a special interview with a guy who is an expert on entertainment, who's an expert on television, and who's going to tell you the real deal as it relates to WWE ratings and all that good stuff. Hold on a second. You know, folks, if, if you've been following along, especially the last couple of weeks, I am on a crusade to assist everybody, all of us as wrestling fans, with educating us on what the real deal is as it relates to TV ratings, as it relates to TV networks, and how all of that interacts with wrestling, especially WWE. I mean, once again, we're in a situation right now where, despite the fact that there's a major ratings dip going on, that every wrestling reporter can't, they can't stop themselves from reporting on. Nonetheless, the WWE has just signed two separate billion-dollar contracts for two separate programs on two separate networks. So if the ratings are such a big deal, how can you make those types of deals? And I think that's a question that no matter how big a wrestling fan you are, you really need to go to some sources who are in the entertainment business, who are in TV, and frankly, the people whose primary job is to report on that stuff in order to get the most accurate, well-rounded answers. So with that said, I reached out to a guy. I reached out to a guy who's one of the main men over there at The Wrap, and this dude has amazing connections in TV. He's an amazing reporter, manager, you name it. And he has, actually, frankly, he's educated in it as well. So he's not just some fly-by-night. So without further ado, welcome to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, Mr. Tony Maglio. Mags, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me. Hey, no problem. No problem. Listen, explain to everybody what The Wrap is. Sure, happy to do it. So The Wrap is one of four Hollywood trade magazines. It's primarily online. There's a physical magazine. But the four are Variety, THR, Deadline, and Us. So I'm from an East Coaster. A lot of my uh, East Coast people don't know us. But um, out in L.A., out in Hollywood, uh, Us, Deadline, um, people know THR and Variety because of their print publications a little bit. But we're the four. We're the four that compete with each other for uh, TV and uh, movie news. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And what is your primary role with the rap? I am the TV editor, which means I run the TV team and ostensibly the TV coverage of the website um, to give your listeners a little bit of a understanding of the size. Currently, it's me and four reporters um, working for me at the wrap uh, on the TV side. On the film side, it's roughly the same size. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And, and I mean, that's a job. That's a pretty important job, man. So did you even get to a point where you were in 
that position. Did you go to school for for journalism or what have you? Yeah, I've got a weird career path, Duke. I um I I got went to college, was in business, got my MBA, went into accounting, went into finance, hated accounting and finance. Uh after a couple of years, um I was doing a lot of freelance writing on the side, primarily comedy writing actually. And um, I decided I wanted to make a switch. I wanted to write full-time. I remember having loved journalism in high school. Um, so when I was 30, I'm 37 now, I went back to uh, to school again. I went to Columbia, their journalism school, uh, got my master's in journalism there, uh, started a, as an intern at the RAF, probably, you know, six years ago, seven years ago, whatever it would have been at this point, and have worked my way up uh, to uh, to the role I have now. I bet those student loans are kicking your butt, huh? They're unbelievable. They're <laughs> unbelievable. And when you factor in, you know, not that anyone needs to feel sorry for me because we're all in the same boat together with these things, you factor in the pay cut I took to go from finance to journalism, which does not pay a whole heck of a lot of money, especially at first. Yeah, man. Columbia is not a cheap school. Not at all. Not at all. Wow. But you made it work. I mean, you, you worked from the ground up at the rap. And now you're in a, a decision-making position, which is pretty awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Hard work, you know. So one of the things that really put you on my radar was a recent article you did with an executive at ESPN who was explaining that they at least had talks with the WWE about um, possibly airing some of the one of their major shows. Like, was it, I believe it was SmackDown Live. Tell mm-hmm. us about that discussion and and what made you even go down that road because i don't think too many people knew espn was even interested yeah well so this week we just wrapped up what they call in tv in the business the upfronts which is when television channels and now streaming services which call it the new fronts basically premiere their new fall shows for advertisers to try to get um you know media companies to buy their ad time so they show off their new trailers and, you know, have fancy parties and bring out all their actors and everything. So now that Disney is the largest company of all time, apparently, it seems like, um, they did their upfront altogether, which they always did with ESPN. But, you know, now we're talking ABC and they've got even bigger with FX and that, you know, I won't bore you to death with the details. But we were at um, the Disney upfront and uh, the executives were there all taking questions from press as they do each year. And while we were there for ESPN, I, I just like you said, and I may be wrong about this, but I haven't read or don't recall reading or hearing much about whether ESPN wanted to get involved in the WWE sweepstakes when those were up for grabs. And so uh, while Burke Magnus was there, who's the EVP of programming at ESPN, um, I asked him if they had any real talks uh, with ESPN why it fell through, assuming they did, and also I followed up and asked him if they had any talks with AEW, knowing that AEW was about to announce um, the next day, which was, I believe, yesterday, uh, or Wednesday. I'm not sure when this will come out. But um, So his answer to me was basically, yeah, we, we had those talks, but the reason they couldn't make it work is because of the nature of SmackDown's schedule, which, much like Raw, is live 52 weeks a year, and that would require, at least in SmackDown's case, two hours of primetime programming each week, dedicated like clockwork every single week um, to SmackDown. So 
I was wondering if it was more a money thing because ESPN turned around and gave like a billion and a half to the UFC, but it sounds like uh, it was much more of a scheduling thing that ESPN, who has moved a little bit more towards covering wrestling as a sport, pro wrestling as a sport, um, sounds like they just didn't have the schedule open enough to accommodate what WWE wanted. And, and you know something, I can respect that, you know, as a person who is a lifelong pro wrestling consumer, and for the life of ESPN, I've, I've been a consumer of what they have to offer uh, as well. ESPN legitimately does not have, they don't need programming to be two hours every week, 52 weeks a year, and it's the same thing. Like, that's just not, they, they air too many variations of sports and documentary programs and their news shows and what have you, and they're doing pretty well. They're still the worldwide leader in sports. So I, I can totally respect them saying it just doesn't fit in our program. You know, when you look at what they're doing with UFC, I mean, UFC is on ESPN+, Plus, which mm-hmm. is basically an online streaming medium. And that lets you know when you have a property that you spent that much money on, 1.5 billion dollars and you're utilizing it to basically pump up a streaming service that lets you know that they really don't have any room on their other platforms for that yeah um because i would imagine the ufc and i you know look i don't know this as a fact but i would imagine ufc and wwe and you know darn near every uh league would still much rather be on you know basic cable you know espn channel versus being on a you know subscriber <clears throat> subscriber video on demand service because very quite simply like you know myself as an example I'm a sports fan I'm a consumer I don't have ESPN plus I'm not going to pay for it I have ESPN the channel and the interesting thing is ESPN the channel costs us all more than many people realize it does but I believe it's still cheaper than ESPN plus or at least it's certainly cheaper than most streaming services even like DAZN for example um, so, yeah, it, it is interesting, and, and you're right. I mean, look, Monday Night Football, um, ESPN will always make room for that unless ABC one day takes it away from them. But, um, you know, SmackDown Live, uh, I, they said that they had, I believe his term, his phrase was hard talks, or they took a hard look at it, you know, something suggesting they were very serious about it, but they couldn't come to, up with some sort of alternative that would satisfy Vince McMahon's desire for the show to continue running 52 weeks a year and ESPN's desire to, to put it on its cable channel. Sure, sure. And once again, congratulations to ESPN for being in a position where they just don't need it. You know, I, I don't think there are too many networks out there who could walk away from a deal with a brand like WWE who's going to give you a year's worth of programming and, and it's just something you don't have to think about which was one of the main selling points for Fox. That's That's been the, the quotes directly from their folks over there is that, hey, we just programmed our Friday night. We don't have to think about it now. Yeah, the Fox thing is interesting because they knew they were losing a lot. Fox, the, the larger parent company, was 21st Century Fox. They knew they were losing a lot of stuff to Disney, which owns ESPN. And that means, you know, when they lost their TV studio, they knew they were losing their main pipeline of shows. They don't have a TV studio anymore. So Fox, the broadcast channel, which is still part of what they call New Fox, they needed programming. They have Thursday Night Football from the NFL, which is great. Uh, they have some college stuff on, on Saturdays. 
Um, but now that they have, and of course they have NFL on Sundays when the NFL is in season, though not in prime time, um, they have it in the afternoon games. Um, they saw Thursday, they saw SmackDown as an opportunity to fill an entire prime time block. Because for Fox, the broadcast channel, prime time runs from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. It runs two hours. That's what SmackDown runs. So they, just like you just said, they, they solved their entire Friday problem um, by doing 8 to 10 p.m. SmackDown 52 weeks a year. And on top of it, what they're doing a lot of promotion to these advertisers this week is they're looking at it and saying, look, in the fall, Thursday through Sunday, we have live sports. Nobody else has that. And, you know, for a small-ish depleted company, that's, you know, it's a lot of money they're spending, but it's also kind of smart because they now have live sports rights, which still get pretty decent TV ratings by comparison to other shows, um, four straight nights. So I think kudos to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, Max, talk to us about TV ratings, because I think this is this is something that, because of what was called the Monday Night Wars, this is when WWF slash WWE, when they and WCW had a Monday night show that went head-to-head, they were always taking a look at the ratings. It was always about the ratings and who's doing better than who, and, and they equated that to success because, like, well, you know, our ratings say more people are watching our program than your program, so we're number one. And wrestling fans were, have been conditioned to pay attention to that stuff. And, I mean, we're talking about something that was happening 20 years ago. Fast forward to 2019, industry-wide, based on your not only your education background, but also your experience as a professional who reports on this stuff, how does the, the industry view the traditional Nielsen rating in 2019? You know, it's funny, man. It, <laughs> people who get good traditional Nielsen ratings still, still say it's the most important thing in the world, and uh, people who don't say it's antiquated. It's not that important. Um, I think the general consensus is that Nielsen and their ratings are not keeping up anywhere near as fast enough with industry trends, uh, especially as it comes to measuring streaming, um, whether that be a platform like Netflix, which they're getting a little more involved with, or whether that's, you know, um, I was at the CW up front today, like CW's streaming uh, outlets. Um, Nielsen doesn't measure anything that would only provide internal data to the company that o- owns it for the most part, um, but they still are considered the currency company uh, or Nielsen rating is considered the currency, maybe an easier way of explaining it, for you know, anything that's that's head-to-head, NBC versus CBS versus Fox versus ABC, cable channels versus each other. Um, you know, HBO, we could talk about Game of Thrones this weekend as we record this as the finale. HBO doesn't care at all about Nielsen ratings practically because they may get 12 million viewers per Nielsen for Game of Thrones, you know, last Sunday night or whatever it was. But then they add like five, six, seven million on HBO Go and HBO Now. Nielsen can't measure those. So all of that is a long way of saying it's still kind of what we go with because it's the best we've got. But it's not that great. It's not a perfect measurement. And if you ask Netflix, it's an absolute garbage measurement. Wow, that's that's interesting. That's an interesting uh, take there. We're talking to uh, Tony Maglio of The Wrap. 
So so let me let me stay there for a second. Yeah. When you take a look at a situation where a company like WWE and and the wrestling industry is, is cyclical, so ratings the traditional Nielsen ratings are like a roller coaster, man. They're up, they're down, they they just they're it, it just happens that way. And if you were to take a look over the past twenty years, you'll definitely see that. You'll see a steep drop. And then where it's been the past five years or so, it's just up and down, up and down. But it, it appears that that's the same across the board in TV in general. Because as you said, you know, people are consuming the entertainment, the TV entertainment differently today. There's so many streaming and on-demand, so many other ways to watch that, you know, people don't have to just sit at their TV every Monday night at 8 o'clock in order to consume WWE content. They can watch it when they feel like it. I have Comcast, and, and Raw is on demand. So if I'm not home from 8 to 11, I can watch it later, or I can watch it later in the week. It's there waiting for me. So that, that's just an example. Uh, in the case of, of WWE, their ratings are, are definitely lower than what they were last year. Yet they just signed these two big deals with Fox and USA. How do we justify that? How does it, how does a, a, a major entertainment corporation sign WWE programming if their ratings are, are on the downslide? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And it's just such a complicated time now in terms of rating that, yeah, their, their ratings are on the downslide. And, and you explained why. I mean, I don't really watch programming live occasionally, you know, with sports, um, well, certainly with, with, let's call them regular sports, live tune-in is still, is still king. It's still big. It's still great. You know, the Oscars still bring in a lot of viewers. The Super Bowl still tops 100 million viewers live. Um, you know, with wrestling, it's a little bit different because there's so much scripted aspect. And, and truth be told, people may also want to fast-forward through a lot of stuff, especially on a three-hour show like Raw. I mean, maybe that's just anecdotally how I do it. But, you know, in terms of of justifying these big billion-dollar spends, even though Raw is down, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, even though SmackDown is down, they still do really good when you compare them to their competition. In other words, yes, yeah, they're a shell of their former self, but everything else is much more of a shell of its former self. You know, The Walking Dead is an example I use all the time when people ask me about ratings. The truth is The Walking Dead ratings – are way, way down, but it's still the number one show on cable. So it really is, there really almost isn't a right answer. It's, there's an answer to prove either side, right? Anyone who wants to say The Walking Dead is dying can do so by pointing to its double-digit rates declines year after year, and they'd be right. Anybody at AMC, for example, which owns and airs The Walking Dead, would say, yeah, and we're still easily the number one show on cable and number two on TV to this is or the number two drama, I should say, on TV to this is us. And the reason I have to say drama is because of the mass singer and the big bang theories. Sure. Um, so it really is in the eye of the beholder and it really can the ratings really can be used to make either point. So to bring it back to the WWE and these big deals that are being made. Um, number one, there are so many platforms which we've touched on, you know, and so many T V channels that to stand out, you really have to have great product, unique product, you know, uh, 
and I believe still that WWE has both. I believe Raw and SmackDown are still heads and shoulders above in terms of quality, in terms of reach, in terms of brand awareness, etc. Pretty much almost any other show. You know, when we start comparing them with actual sports like the NBA and, and you know, Major League Baseball and forget football is way bigger than everything, you start to get a little bit of a different picture. But the reason why they justify giving, you know, WWE, for example, you know, a billion dollars is because it's it has a built-in audience. It has this brand loyalty that even if it is not doing what it did five years ago, two years ago, certainly not ten years ago, it is still doing so much better in a fragmented environment than whatever your competition is airing. So Fox, by virtue of having SmackDown on Fridays, is guaranteeing itself to be competitive on a night where it just just didn't exist practically. I mean, it did have a presence, it did have shows, but nothing that could compete. And now that it has SmackDown, 52 weeks a year, it will have new live, uh, it will have new episodes, and those episodes will draw in live eyeballs. And that is still the most important thing to an advertiser is getting these live eyeballs because live eyeballs cannot fast forward through the commercials. And so by, that's why, you know, the NFL rights are so expensive. That's why any sports right is so expensive. And, and keeping SmackDown live, uh, they had to do that. That guarantees that even if it's not 20 million eyeballs, 10 million eyeballs, 5 million, whatever it is, there will be a built-in audience. They will come every Friday from 8 to 10, and they will see the commercials that are paying Fox, who is paying WWE. That's a great point. And, you know, from personal experience, as I said, I, I have Comcast and their Xfinity service. The majority of the programming within their on-demand content. So that that's the content that you can go back and take a look at anytime you want, which is separate from DVR. This is, you know, Comcast themselves are storing this content for you to watch at your leisure. The majority of that content you cannot fast-forward through, So, which wasn't always the case. But now mm-hmm. they're forcing you to see those commercials even as you're watching it on demand. So that that's – you just brought up a good point as to why that exists. I mean, it – these companies are paying so much money, they should be able to, to have their, their commercials not be fast-forwarded through. That's, that's, a, that's a great point. Let me ask you, how does social media play into something like this? Um, especially from the TV industry and from the advertising industry, how important or detrimental is social media to a program? Like, let, let's take SmackDown, for example. Does it have any effect? Is the effect negative? Is it positive? How does that help or hurt the network and the advertisers? Well, if you mean in terms of, you know, hashtags trending, which WWE tends to get a lot of hashtags trending, you know, it, it just in, increases engagement. And the more you're engaged, the more you're likely to watch. I mean... I don't know, and I'm sure there are versions of clever advertising integration that maybe actually happens exclusively on social media. Um, But, look, if you see SmackDown Live trending, if you see Kevin Owens trending, you forgot to tune in, you know, you might hop on then. So there's value there. 
And then there's, you know, much beyond hashtags and trending topics. You could start talking about programming. And, you know, WWE messed around with Facebook Watch and the Mixed Met with their Mixed Match Challenge. I don't really – I wish I could give you a sense of how they're able to monetize that, whether it's worked for them a lot, you know, whether it's been worth it for them or not. I truly don't know. You know, to me, a lot of the necessity of a social media presence – um, whether it be with your programming or, you know, just as your brand or your athletes or whatever, it's all, it's, it's kind of pays off twofold. Number one, again, is the awareness, as I've mentioned. And, and, and number two is, is truthfully, you just kind of always have to be ready to take advantage of whatever platform ends up becoming a very important platform down the road. You know, I, I, that may, I probably didn't say that very eloquently and may not make all the sense in the world, but let me put it to you this way. You know, 10 years ago or 12 years ago, I frankly don't know how many years ago what would be off the top of my head. I didn't necessarily, you know, before I was even doing all of this stuff, I was still a Netflix DVD subscriber, right? And at some point, we all saw the handwriting on the wall and it was going streaming. Uh, early adopters of that sort of technology had a humongous advantage. And that's one of the reasons why Netflix is so successful as a business is because it, it – was an early it was early to dump the DVDs and to go full on streaming, not really knowing what that future might look like, but having a presence, having the technology, having the money invested in technology, um, which is you know not just exclusive to them, you know Disney and and Bamtech, they had very good technology and they were ready for streaming. So in terms of social, it's not quite the same because you're not going to turn it into you know the WWE Network or some some version of that. But always having an investment in technology uh, is incredibly important. And then always having a presence on whatever platform is going to become big for your advertisements, whether it's something like a Facebook or a Twitter or, you know, whatever the next generation of, of social media might look like. You always you have to invest in all of these things because it, it, it's all one gigantic competition for eyeballs, whether it's you know, competition for eyeballs on television or a competition for do I want to buy this ticket to this live event or this ticket to that live event? You have to you have to have a presence everywhere if you want to compete at the level that say a WWE competes at. Well very good point. Well put. Well put. So so again, let me ask you this then and, and based on your education, based on your experience, you know, you're at the rap, your manager, you are an entertainment expert, you cover this stuff. Does it make sense when when you hear somebody say, "Well, you know, Fox is is demanding WWE post a 3.0 rating, and that's going to be a big deal if they can't do that." Does mm -hmm. that something like that even make sense to you, based on what you've seen in the industry and what you've reported on and what have you? Well, in terms of the rating, you know, I'll be honest with you, dude. I haven't really sat down and thought about what it could be, what it could, you know, pull in what, versus what it could in, in terms of, like, you know, 3.0 or what that would translate to in total viewers, that sort of thing. Um, in terms of demanding a rating, <laughs> no, I mean, Fox is not in a position to demand anything, you know, and, and I think maybe what you're getting at, correct me if I'm wrong, is I've also heard people worry that, 
you know, Fox is going to cancel. Someone already asked me, are they going to cancel SmackDown Live if SmackDown doesn't get this number of viewers? They're not going to cancel it. They, they invested a billion dollars over five years in this thing. You know, I can't say what the future would hold. Uh, what I expect is I expect it to have, you know, to debut with big ratings. Uh, WWE is no, not dumb. You know, they will have, uh, assuming everyone is healthy, uh, they're going to try to pull back as many big superstar names as they can, you know, whether that be John Cena or, or whoever. Uh, you know, the, the idea is to have Roman Reigns be kind of the face of SmackDown Live. I don't really know what's going on with the wild card rule. That makes everything confusing to me. But they will do, they will put their best foot forward and they will do everything they can to get as big a rating as they can. I don't, know necessarily that there is any benchmark of you have to hit a 3.0, you have to hit a 3.6, you have to hit a 4.0, you have to hit a 2.9. You know, I haven't heard any of those sorts of things. I think they can reasonably estimate what they expect. Um, but no, I, I don't think it's a matter of you do this or you don't do this. They, they're in for the long haul. SmackDown is not some new startup. It's It's been around for, for, for quite a long time, and obviously WWE has been around for even longer. So I think, you know, kind of like football, you have to hope the games are close, you know, and that doesn't perfectly translate to wrestling, but you just have to wait and see. You just have to hope that it basically competes with Blue Bloods on CBS. Um, You know, but the reality of it is right now they're selling their ads for this fall, and they have no real barometer to point to. Um, but obviously they felt like it was worth the amount of money that they paid. And, you know, frankly, all of these mega deals, whether it be for the NFL or it be for the UFC or it be for WWE, they're, these sports rights command such a large, large sums of money that they're, they're in it. They're in it up to their neck. Um, so anyway, all of that said, that's a very long-winded answer of saying, I don't know that there's a, you know, a 3.0 threshold or something like that, but I, I guarantee you there's, no one putting pressure on WWE to get the ratings because they Fox did its due diligence. You tend to do that when you're putting out a billion dollars. And uh, now you just have to kind of cross your fingers and, and hope for the best. Wow. Oh, that's, that's a hot take. That's a hot take. Listen, Mags, if, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, what is the best way that they can reach you and follow you, all that good stuff? Yeah, I am uh, mostly a Twitter guy, um, so I am on Twitter, at Tony Maglio. Uh, it's probably the pretty easiest way of, uh, of getting in touch with me, and I'm, I'm happy to do, uh, to have a dialogue with people. I really am. And and what about the rap? What's, what's the easiest way to, to consume some of the great content that the rap – I mean, you know, I read that article, and, and I had been familiar with the rap even before then, but you, you really converted me just because of the way that – Obviously, it was wrestling content, but you were speaking to an ESPN executive, and, and they did not hold back in explaining why that deal that no one even knew was a possibility, why that couldn't happen. Just the fact that mm. you were able to get that type of access and that type of detail, it's converted me into a rap fan, and I've gone on and, and taken a look at some of your other content out there. So how can other folks mm. consume that? Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, it's just therap.com. I believe there is a, a rap app. I don't know uh, what stage it's in currently. I know they were doing sort of a, a rebuild, to be honest with you. I don't get involved in that side of it. But, yeah, there's a there's an app. But I would recommend just go to therap.com and check out the rap on Twitter. We've got a, a pretty decent presence. And, um, 
Yeah, not just for wrestling, but for all TV and, and movie stuff. We, I should definitely give them a plug since I'm doing this on, on work time, huh? That's right. <laughs> That's right. And listen, I, I want to challenge you, uh, uh, Max. There's, there's this All Elite Wrestling, this AEW company. Mm-hmm. It was announced that they just signed with TNT. So I'm going to give it some time, but I, I definitely will be keeping an eye on the wrap. And, and as soon as you guys really start reporting on what that, that's looking like, and I know it's going to take some time, I would love for you to come back and, and, and share your take on that as well. I'd be happy to come back anytime, man. It's been a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you. His name is Tony Maglio. He's at the wrap. Once again, thank you for joining our, our show here. All right, thanks, Dick. And there you have it. There you have it from somebody who's actually in the business of reporting on entertainment, television, ads, and how all of that stuff is intertwined with one another. I mean, this is somebody who legitimately gets interviews with the TV execs. This is a guy who manages that stuff. This is a guy who can put it in perspective in a manner that quite frankly, the majority of you website guys and dirt sheet guys and average fans, including myself, we just can never know. We're not experts on the topic. Okay. Let me tell you something. Just because I can, I can cook a steak. That doesn't mean I'm Del Frisco's all of a sudden. I'm not a chef. Yeah. Go to a chef to understand what's really going on. Seriously. So I, I, I needed to stop. I need this garbage about Fox is demanding WWE have a 3.0 rating that Fox is going to cancel SmackDown. I had not even started. They're going to cancel SmackDown. I need all that garbage to stop. I need the nonsense about, well, WWE's ratings are bad. So, you know, they're in trouble. I need it to stop. Over the past two episodes, we've had the Boston bad boy who works in the industry. And now we have my man Mags who reports on the industry and they both are telling you the same thing. It's garbage. It's garbage. It's nonsense. It's not true to state that the ratings matter so much that a a legacy brand like WWE and a property like SmackDown Live that Fox just spent a billion dollars on over the next five years, suddenly it's going to be in trouble because they had a ratings dip. Give me a break. Give me a break. We have to seek out the facts. Don't you want to know what's really going on? I don't want to report on something and be negative about something if if it's just blatantly not true, just for the, the sake of it. I saw some fool online the other day saying, well, you know, Fox cancels things in a heartbeat. What does that even mean? What does that mean? When's the last time Fox invested a billion dollars on something? When's the last time the WWE and SmackDown got canceled? That doesn't happen. And it's not going to happen. The brand is too strong. The content is too valuable. Advertisers will spend the money to be associated with these properties because they're valuable. And if you can't admit that, then what that says is you you just are purposely trying to put out disinformation 
in order to hurt the WWE. And I can't understand why you couldn't possibly be a WWE or a wrestling fan. If that's what you're doing, couldn't possibly be. So, so to the disco infernos and to the Dave Meltzer's and to all the, the disciples out there, stop. Bad experts come on this show and, and prove you wrong. Stop. In the meantime, we're gearing up for AEW, WWE, some of the best wrestling times that we've ever seen are about to get geared up here. Ring of Honor is still going strong. Impact is still alive somehow. New Japan continues to penetrate the American market. This is this is amazing. Let's celebrate that. And let's take it easy on the on the the talk that's just not true. If you want to point out something that's wrong, I'm all for that. I can point out something's wrong just as well as anybody. You know that. Been doing it this whole time. But I'm not going to lie. And I'm not going to perpetuate a lie and support a lie. No, I'm not going to do that. And many of you out there are far too intelligent and far too talented for me to say it's just an honest mistake. It's not a mistake. Next week, we celebrate our three-year anniversary. Do you know how many podcasts have come and gone since we started Duke Loves Wrestling? Do you know how many podcasts, how many wrestling promotions have come and gone since we started Duke Loves Wrestling? Really a, a scary thing when you think about it. But we've survived and we've endured. And we couldn't have done that without the support of all of you who listen every week, all of you who report on what we're talking about every week, whether you disagree or agree, you're putting the information out there, you've been sharing. This thing has grown from just a couple of people listening to just a worldwide phenomenon, which is unbelievable. I really appreciate it. So we're going to celebrate that next week. We're going to have a couple of special voices that you'll hear, a couple of guests. Should be fun. Be kind to yourselves. Be kind to each other. It's the Duke signing off saying, catch you next time. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.